0: Hey, well, good morning. How are we? Good. I'm glad to hear someone is good. I'd ra- I'd like to hear how, how all of you are and how your weekends were. I hope you all had good weekends. By the way, if you are new here this morning, uh, my name is Travis Hall. I'm one of the deacons here at Highland Gospel Community and just want to say welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. And um, if this is your first Sunday, you'll see in front of you, there should be a connect card. Fill that out and Put it in the tithes, tithes and offerings box back there, uh, which if you're wondering, hey, where's where the tithes and offering box? Right back there. So uh, this morning, we're continuing our series, um, The Name to be Known, and, and it's a Name of God series, and, and we, we've, we've been in it now for, for two weeks, and um, so I'm just going to jump right in this morning. Uh, I've got a lot of ground to cover uh, and not a lot of time to do it. I guess you'd say so. Let's just pray, and we'll get going. Lord, we we, we thank you for this morning, and we are just so thankful for this opportunity to gather in your name. But this morning, more importantly, to learn of your character as we unpack this new name, we're, we're 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 learning what this name means. But more importantly, we're learning about you and about your character. And so, Lord, this morning, I recognize that I am tired and weary. So I pray that your holy Sp- the Holy Spirit would be would be speaking through me would give me the strength to, to 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 complete this this morning and that most importantly though, that your word would go forth because it's your words that bring us life. It's your words that carry us and give us strength. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well hey, um, before we, we before we start to look at this new name, we, we've got to take a little bit of a step back. Um, we're going to be in the book of Exodus in, in chapter 17. Uh, 8 through 16. So what I want to do is just take a quick step back and, and, and just take a quick look at Exodus. Um, so I read in a commentary that the Exodus, Exodus is about is about the God who makes Himself known. First, He makes Himself known to Moses, then to Pharaoh, then to the Egyptians, and now He's going to make Himself known to the nation of Israel. And, and so, so as we pick it up here and In chapter 17, Israel has been making a journey um, from the Red Sea in in Exodus 14 to the foot of Mount Sinai, which you can read about in Exodus 19. And and along this journey, there's new lessons at each stage. And, And these lessons are often repeated and reinforced because like many of us, like myself, the Israelites were slow to learn and quick to forget. And isn't that the truth, that often the Lord just is repeating and reinforcing things to us along our own individual journeys. So, so, so we come here at Exodus 17, and, and they're at Rephidim, and, and for the first time since crossing the Red Sea, they face opposition from the outside instead of from within, so, so the, the, in, in in the first seven verses of, of chapter seventeen, they're quarrelling, and um, actually, Rutherford is renamed uh, Quarlesburg and Testingville, if I remember correctly, because they're they're fighting about food and water, and and they're arguing like children. So, so there's a lot of internal conflict, and might there be a lesson for us there? The, 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 though the church will have opposition from the outside. The first obstacle that we have to face is our own hardness of heart. The the biggest threat to the church in any generation is not other religions, enemies of the faith, the government. That's a big popular narrative right now in 2018 that the the biggest threat to the church is the government. No, it's us. It is us. It it is our waywardness, our wandering, our hard-heartedness, our love affair with sin. But, 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 but let's get back to the text, and, and, and I think there was just a quick lesson right there. So, so finally, they, they move from inside conflict to outside conflict. And opponents, Amalek and his people, are surrounding the camp. And, and, and if you remember last Sunday in Exodus 3, um, 13 and 15, God reveals his name to Moses. Moses asked, who are you? who should I say sent me to the people? And he said, I will give you my name, the divine name, Yahweh. I am who I am. And that's his name. And today we're gonna to learn a variation on that name, this is the second time in Israel's wandering where they received a new name from God. And in a couple weeks, we're going to actually jump back to Exodus 15, and we're going to see that first encounter where where that first variation is revealed. So, in, in Exodus 17:15, the Lord reveals a new name again, and Moses is the one who announces. The name, and it's it's clearly an accurate description of all that God has done against Amulek. And so here it is, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And and what that means is God gives us victory. He is the one who gives us victory. And, And when you hear banner, you might think of something like this on the walls or, or the banner outside for the harvest party or or something like this. But, but what this means in this context, in verse 15, is a military term. It's the signal pole which, which the army can be gathered, regathered, or regrouped. It's to say, here is our banner. In the midst of the fight, if there is retreat, You come here. When we get our marching instructions in advance, you gather here. The Lord will fight for us. Raising up the banner says the Lord will fight. We rally to him. We fight for him. And he fights for us. And we'd all really like our Christian walk to be easy because we hear words like fight and we're like, Ugh, I don't know about that. We'd really like to start at salvation and end at eternity. We'd just like it to be this, this really, we, you know, maybe along the way we, we, we marry the perfect spouse. We raise perfect children. Granted, some of you parents will say there's no such thing as perfect children. Um, you all have great kids. I should say that. I'm not saying your kids are bad. Oh, man. Anyways, maybe we'd like to take vacations, read our Bibles, and sing some songs. Maybe we'd like that to be our Christian walk. That is not reality. I'm so sorry if I've just crushed your reality of what the Christian walk looks like. Actually, I am sorry in some sense, but I'm not sorry in another sense because we need to realize that we have battles. We're going to have battles. The New Testament tells us to fight the good fight, to to suffer, to share in suffering as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. And and of course, it it is transposed in the New Testament. We don't fight physical battles as the church. Jesus told Peter to put away his sword. And the apostle Paul says, our battles is not against flesh, and blood. We're not to run to our guns as a church. The battles are real nonetheless, but they're a different kind of battle. And I'm sure that every one of you could think of opponents and enemies and struggles, and perhaps it's very obvious people in your life who they really don't like you or like what you stand for. Maybe your boss does not like you, Maybe your neighbors don't like that you're a Christian and that you, uh, you, you pack the, uh, the, the street with cars for your Bible study. Maybe your family absolutely despises that you're a Christian or, or whatever you stand for. Or maybe it's, it's theological trenches in your life. There, there are difficult issues to short, sort through and, and you see people wandering and wavering. Or maybe it's your unbelief. Your own struggles to believe the promises of God. Your own struggles to believe the gospel. Your own doubts, your own fears. Maybe it's a temptation to seek revenge. Maybe it's a temptation to seek a name for yourself. We're talking about the name to be known. I'll just be really honest. I struggle with a temptation to, for, for my name to be known for myself, I will struggle with that probably from now until eternity. It is a struggle. Maybe you struggle with sexual impure, impurity. It's a very real thing that we struggle with as humans. May, maybe you hold on to bitterness, refuse to forgive, or believe the worst about people. And doesn't it make life a little, just a little bit easier to just walk along just along your merry way just thinking the worst about everyone maybe it's your temptation to blame other people for your problems to hold grudges to close your heart or fight the way the world fights ultimately as the, the apostle paul says in ephesians 6:12 the the battle is not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities, against spiritual forces of evil in the world and in our own hearts. and I'm adding that to the text, but it's we I'm not I'm not adding that to the text, I'm just adding that on there. Um, but in the midst of that stands Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. there and, and this morning the, there are three points but but more importantly than that, there are three lessons for us to learn this morning. Um, we do have some sermon slides um, up there. So, so this first lesson, because it, it's so much bigger than just a point, is we need to fight. The, Amulek and his people were preying on a people that were weak and not battle tested. And, and so, so who was Amulek and his people? Amulek was was Esau's grandson, and and you see that in Genesis thirty six twelve. So these are distant relatives of the Israelites. And, and as far as we can tell, they lived by attacking other people and plundering the, 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 their wealth. And, and there's a story in Judges 3 where Elgon, the, the king of Moab, joins forces with, with Amulek and, and, and the, the Ammonites and the Israelites. And, and they had, in and, and Deuteronomy 25, we're, I'm going to jump right there. You can join me if you like. Um, In verses 17 through 18, remember what Amulek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you. He did not fear God. Amulek and his people did not fear God. The Lord. And, and, and so this gives you just a little bit of insight into their method. And, and, but, and so this is going to be the first battle, and it's going to be a triumphant one for Israel. So we're gonna, I'm going to pick it up in verse 8 of our text this morning in, in Exodus 17. Then Amulek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amulek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So, so just a real quick fun fact um, about Joshua. In 40 years from, from this point, he's going to succeed Moses. Just a little bit of fun trivia. But, but, but Moses is saying, Joshua, you need to find some soldiers. And, 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 and they had not done this before, not one of the, the t- more than two million ha- had fought in a war or a battle. They had been slaves. And, and, and when you're a slave in this time, you don't go out and fight battles. You stay back and you build storehouses for Pharaoh. So, so he's got, so Joshua here in this text has to go out and find some men. And, and, he, and what he's probably looking for was this hey, can you walk? Can, are, are you strong? Are you of age? Do you have a sword? Uh, do you have something sharp and pointy? Just anything will do. Maybe a stick with a tip on it. Uh, uh, do you have any? Is there anything that you can do? Because right now, in this moment, they had to fight. And, and, and I don't want to get too clever with, with analogies, but but you can really map out the Christian experience and uh, theology onto Israel's journey. So so check this out. So justification is when we are declared righteous in God's sight. Regeneration is new birth when God sovereignly and supernaturally, and without any work on our part, causes us to be born again, causes us to be saved. And, And at the beginning of the journey at the Red Sea, what did Israel have to do? Nothing. They had to have faith. But the faith was was just the instrumental cause of their salvation. And, and, and faith is what got them walking through the walls of water on, on either side of them. They had faith. And, and, and God didn't say, turn around and pick up your swords and fight the Egyptians. And, and he didn't say, hey, after 400 years, if you have acquired enough spiritual points in my book, I'll set you free. It's not like... And, and I'm not dogging on Awana. It's, it's not like you have to earn, earn all these badges. And I, I think you earn that in Awana, um, I think. But, but, but my point is you don't, have to, you don't have to earn all these spiritual badges with the, the, the Lord. He said, no, you are my people. I am going to save you. I will fight for you. I will make the water stand up. I will drown the Egyptians You just have to have faith and walk. That's salvation. That's justification, and that's regeneration. God says, you are my people. I choose you. Believe, you'll be saved. So what do we have to do, church? We have to believe. And and, and that's not all for the Christian life. Now they have to fight. It, it, it still takes faith, but, it, but, but also action and energy. This is no let go and let God theology, which I will warn you, just I, I, I'm leery of that phrase. I'm very leery of that phrase. And I know it's a, a popular thing to say in, in 2018. Be cautious. Be, because, because this is not sanctification by faith alone. There are times when God says, hey, I'm going to do it all, just march around the city, play your musical instruments, and the walls will come down. But there are a lot of times in the Old Testament when God says, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it through you. You have to get up and fight. And I I love this line from J.C. Ryle. The Christian is known by two great marks, his inner warfare and his inner peace. And, and this is consistent with the New Testament that Christian discipleship requires effort. Uh, Ephesians 4 tells us to put off the old self and put on the new. Ephesians 6 says to, to put on the full armor of God, stand fast against the devil. Colossians 3, as we just learned a few weeks ago, tells us to put to death what is earthly in us. 1 Timothy 6.12 tells us to fight the good, fight Luke 13, 24 tells us to strive to enter the narrow gate. Do do you see your Christian experience here? God is teaching them something and he wants to show us something. This is what it's like when you follow God. He does all this for you. He saves you. But before you get to the promised land, before you get to eternity, we you have a lot to learn. You are going to have times when you feel hungry, when you feel tired and thirsty, when you wonder, what is God going to do? And you have, and then you start to grumble and complain. And that is when you have to start to fight. That is when you have some fighting to do. The fighting that Israel was doing wasn't something to prove their merit to God where God would say, well, if you can wield a sword, then I'll allow you into the promised land. Our, our, our effort isn't self-justifying. Let's not be more gospel-centered than the Bible. We are not afraid as Christians of words like striving, effort, work, fighting. Those are Bible words. The, 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 the gospel frees us from self-justification also frees us from cowardness and fear; it frees us from fear. So, so, so Moses. So, so they're saying you need to get up, Joshua. I want you to find some men. And, and some of us would, would 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 say to Moses, "Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on." God's got some plagues, right? Like you, he can do the whole plague thing. You, you're pretty close with with Yahweh, like you. I mean, he talked to you and stuff. Like, can't you tell him? I don't know, fro- to make some frogs with spikes, some fireballs, something mixed it up a little bit. Let's get plagues one through three and seven, and have some blood shooting out of their eyes. I, I don't know. I mean, he can just call that stuff up, right? But but see, that's not how. That's not always how the Christian faith works. The the Lord says, I'm going to fight for you. The victory will be mine, but you need to get ready. And And he's telling Joshua, Joshua, you need to get some men. You have a day to do it. You need to get out there and fight. I wonder if some of us are in a place right now, if some of us are in a place this morning where we're thinking, I didn't sign up for this. It's what the Lord signs you up for. You need to fight. Our second lesson this morning is this. We need each other. We see this in verses 11 through 13. So we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands... Amulek prevailed, but Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under it, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amulek and his people with the sword. What a beautiful picture. They're holding up Moses' hands. They put a rock under him, so that he can sit. Moses probably realized that this is hard. In that moment, he had to realize that this was hard. And, and do you ever get tired when you, when you try to hold your hands up? Like, maybe during worship you put your hands up and you can only do it for so long because they start to get tired. And, and please don't do it right now, that'd be weird. Um, but, but my point is is, when you raise your hands like that, they get tired. So so some of you know, I, I work in a machine shop and uh, we oftentimes we work on dies and I don't have time to explain it to you and if I did, you probably wouldn't understand. Uh, I barely understand. So what we do is often is we'll put straps on these dies and we'll lift them up with a forklift and then I will get underneath it and kind of study it so that my dad, who is also my boss, um, can get in there and work on it. And I'm not really lifting, I'm just sitting there, I'm just holding my arms up to study it and it's really tiring. Like they they, they start to burn and, and stuff like that. So so I, I really kind of I understand and sympathize with Moses. Moses realized that this was really important. Hey, th- this isn't fixing a die. This is God's people either winning or losing. He needed help. So so Aaron and her are up there, and Aaron is Moses' oldest brother. And, and really just by looking at this I think Moses Aaron was a good brother to Moses so so and, and I'm sure how many of you are older brothers or older siblings in this room? okay so as an older sibling wouldn't it be really easy to say hey I keep my hands up give let, come on Moses just let, let me do this for you however Aaron understands the authority he understands, who Moses is. The Lord has called Moses to be their leader instead of Aaron. And then Aaron and her probably said, Moses, you need a rock. You need to sit down. And then he's got her up there. And, and, and we don't know a lot about her. Um, there are some references to her later in the Old Testament. Whether it's the same person or not, I don't really know. But they're there to help. and 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 that that's the thing is we need to help one another and we we sometimes forget that. Uh, Luke 2332 um Jesus tells Peter go and strengthen the brothers. Acts 1823 Paul traveled back and strengthened all the disciples. In Romans 111 Paul says for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to strengthen you. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in the faith. This is what we do as Christians. This is what we do as brothers and sisters in Christ. We strengthen each other. We hold up each other's arms. And I'm sure there are many of you this morning who feel like, man, I get Moses. I understand Moses, I don't know how much longer I can keep up with the regular stuff of work, with my kids, with cleaning bills, good old-fashioned fatigue, and lack, lack of sleep. You feel exhausted. And then you add to what some of you are facing right now. Hey, I understand marriages can get rough. People will betray you. Your kids are disobedient. People hurt you. You have fears of the unknown and you're looking maybe you're looking for a job or a spouse you have doubts you have cancer. We have two brothers in this body right now who are facing cancer. We all have our own set of circumstances and, and, and it doesn't have to be as you know is something severe as cancer but we all have a different set of circumstances, a different set of difficulties that We're facing, and some of you are saying, I don't know how long I can keep my arms up. I need an Aaron. I need a her. And some of you are feeling this intensely. You are too weary to parent, to stick with your spouse, to keep working on the same relationship, to make it through another week or to keep pushing. And then it gets really dangerous When you're too weary to hope and to pray, we need one another. We need each other. We need people to say, I will pray for you when you run out of prayers. I'll keep praying for that when your prayers have turned into anxiety. Do you ever have that with your prayers? You're trying to pray and all you can do is cycle through the the same set of circumstances, the what-ifs, the unknowns, and, and bad things that could happen. Even Paul, hero of the faith, prayed three times for that thorn in his side to be removed and he finally said, okay, I'm just going to leave it up to God's grace. Sometimes you have to say, I don't even know if I can pray about this thing anymore. Would you hold up my arms? God is calling some of you this week to be an Aaron, to be a her. However, God wants some of you this week to admit that you are Moses in this moment in Exodus 17. Sometimes it's harder to admit that you're this Moses. And, and, and some of us would love to admit that, that we're the Moses who sends plagues and leads people. We love that Moses. That's the cool Moses. But what about this Moses? Can you admit, I cannot keep my hands up by myself anymore? I cannot do it. Can you admit that? And this is hard. This is hard for us as people to admit that. We'd like to think of ourselves as pretty accomplished people. And, 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 And there are a lot of degrees that we could accumulate in this room. We have done things for ourselves. We know how to fix things and do things. But what about when you can't? What about when you can't do it? Are you willing to send out that email or text Or if you're a millennial, a DM. Or or if you're not a millennial, a phone call. And and are you willing to say to the Aaron's and hers in your life, I cannot keep my hands up anymore by myself. Could you get me a rock and hold up my arms? Would some of you have the humility to admit that's where you're at and ask somebody for help? that you would tell somebody about your weakness, that you would let them enter into what you were struggling with. Then there's the other side. All of us are going to be Moses on the mountain at some point. It's a fact. And all of us are going to be called to be an Aaron and a her at some point. We don't know if Moses said, hey, hey, can you guys get me a rock? Maybe Aaron just said, Moses doesn't look good right now. Let's get him a rock. If you see somebody struggling, stand up and go do something about it. Don't, 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 please don't say, well, nobody ever asked. Listen, asking is hard. Well, nobody ever said that they needed anything. I told her, I told him, hey, hey. If you need anything, let me know. They will never let you know when you say that. And and I don't want you to get up after service and say, hey, I really listened to what Travis said. Your life is falling apart. What can I do? Don't do that. That's weird. It's really weird. Just don't do that. But what you can say is, hey, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying for you. Or you can say, hey, I want to pray for you. I love you. I've heard a little bit about what's going on. That's really hard. Can I pray for you? And if nothing else, they'll say, hey, thank you. Just pray for me. But maybe, maybe they'll say, I am tired and I cannot keep this up. I need somebody to come around me and hold me up because I can't do it anymore. I've got a lot of people counting on me. Kids, ministry, a lot of things. And if these hands start to fall down, sin starts coming in. And I start faltering and giving up. And that's going to be bad. Would you help me? Some of, some of you might hear some of that. People asking for help. Listen, if you're, if you're wondering wh- where's a good place to start, if you're not in a community group, get in a community group. Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Get in a community group. Find, find yourself some people that you can be real with. And if it's not a community group, find someone in this fellowship, in this family. That you can go to and you can you can be Moses in this moment. You know, I've been reflecting over the, the last 32 years of my life lately as I've been studying this text, and the one thing I've always I've realized that is constant is, is I've always needed people. Before I was a Christian, I needed people. And then after I was a Christian, just realizing how sweet it is to have people, to have people who care for you, that you can be real with, that you can cry with. Find someone. Your elders are here for you. Go to your elders. Go to Nate. Go to Dave. Go to Rick, Josh, Jordan, Jim, and they will pray with you. They will care for you. Our third lesson this morning, and probably the most important lesson this morning, we need the Lord. Oh, how we need the Lord. Pick it up in verse 14. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amulek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it the Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amulek from generation to generation. Remember this. I want you to write it down. I read in one commentary that that this is the first time in the Bible that there are instructions to write something down. And this is also the the first time an altar is built in Exodus. There are altars that Noah built and Abraham and Jacob in, in Genesis, but this is the first time in Exodus. And an altar is a way of saying, hey, here is the Lincoln Memorial here is the Vietnam Memorial, the Washington Memorial, or you can go through Birmingham and, and you have the Civil Rights Movement. And, 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 and what it says is we, this is a way of memorizing, memorializing difficult, triumphant moments in our history. And so they built an altar to observe it and remember it. And, 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 and so, so Amalek and his people peaked early. It, it, and it wasn't because God wasn't with them. It, it was because they started to forget who God was. The, the, the lesson here is that Yahweh Nisi was not the one whom they took to heart. And, and it won't be very long from now, by the way, that, that Israel, be, Israel will be ready to go into the promised land. And, and they're going to see all sorts of giants and, and strange things, scary things And they will say, we cannot do this. They'll forget that Yahweh Nisi can do it. And and yeah, you you need to fight, but it's not up to you. God says, hey, I will take care of Amulek. I took care of the Egyptians. Why are you scared about Amulek? And, and, And it may sound harsh for him to say, I'll blot out their name and I'll be at war with them. But here's the thing, Amulek and his people were very, were doing some nasty, nasty stuff. These are not innocent people that are roaming around. These are people that were looking to plunder the Israelites, in particularly the elderly, the infirm, the women and the children. What God is saying, look, I will take care of Amulek, just walk with me and don't worry about them. You know the the the, the staff of Mo- the point of the, the staff of Moses raised to heaven. It, it's real easy to look at this text and, and to make it about prayer, and there are plenty of applications for prayer in this text. However, we don't know if Moses was praying. He he he's got his hands up, and he's with Aaron and her, and 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 I would bet they prayed. I mean, if I was up there, I'd be praying. I'm sure all of us would be praying. However, the point of the staff in this text is the power of God. That's why we have this strange wording in verse 16. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. As if to say, when I raise the staff heavenward, it is as if I laid hold of the throne room of heaven and Yahweh Nisi himself came down to fight for us. That's the power of prayer, to to reach into heaven and heaven to reach down to us with divine power. And and let's think about how the staff had been used. Moses throws it to the ground and it becomes a snake and eats up Pharaoh's snakes. It touches the Nile River, which became blood, and then it made it clean. He hits a rock and water comes gushing out in the first seven verses here. The staff is a picture of God's power. Calvin says that single rod was more a veil than as if they had gone into the field preceded by a thousand banners. If Joshua had said, we don't know how to fight, we're not trained soldiers, we don't have a thousand regiments, Moses could have said, we have the staff as if to say, we have the Lord. You and I are going to have more battles, more enemies, more hard days. And hopefully some of our days will be easy. And, and we don't, where we don't have to worry, it's rainbows and butterflies. We read our Bible, we sing some songs, and the Lord will give us our fill. Hopefully we have a lot of those days. I pray that we have a lot of those days. But there will be days where the Lord says, you can trust me. You don't know where you're going to eat. You can trust me. You're thirsty. You can trust me. You have enemies. You can trust me. So how do we demonstrate that we truly believe that the Lord is necessary for the victory and that he is able to give it to us. We do the same thing Moses did. We lift our hands to heaven. Oh, hold up. I don't, I don't have the staff. You've got better than the staff. You have Jesus, Jesus Christ, at the right hand of the, at, at, of the Father, interceding for you. You don't need a stick. You have a Savior. So lift your hands to heaven and pray. Whether Moses was praying or not in this text, and it's absolutely a story about prayer, but that's how we lay hold to the throne room of heaven and get access to that divine power. When you don't pray, you say, I can do it, God can't. However, when you pray, you testify that I am not able, but God is able. I am not able, but God is able. You pray, you gather around the cross. The cross is our banner. Yahweh Nisi of the cross. The Lord on the cross is our banner. Jesus said, the son of man will be lifted up. The cross is our standard raised high. We rally to its side. We regroup at it. We gather around it. In the midst of the battle, we look to the cross. When tempted by sin, we flee to the cross. There we find courage for the fight. There we find the rest that we need when we just cannot lift our arms up any longer. Even Jesus grew faint and tired and could no longer hold up his hands. And on the third day, God gave him the victory. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we ask, we pray, we plead that you would strengthen our hands we pray that you would give us an Aaron and a her to gather around us. We pray that you would give us humility to ask for help. Most of all, to turn our eyes towards Christ, the banner of the cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going we're to listen to a song. We're going to have a lyric video. And what I want us to do, we're gonna, we have two more songs. We have this song and then the song that the, the worship team will lead us in. This first song is called Never Once by Matt Redman. And it paints a beautiful picture of never once did we ever walk alone. So what I want us to do in this moment is to just sit and reflect. To take in these words. To take them to heart. To pray. Hey, and, and if you don't want to sit and reflect, then find someone and pray with someone. And then when, when, when the, the, the worship team leads us, I want us to stand and respond. Respond to the fact that the Lord fights for us, that we belong to the Lord. Church, if you need prayer this morning, I will be here to pray with you. By the way, if you don't know who Jesus is, I'd love to introduce you. It's the real deal. So if you need prayer, I'm available. Dave Mervar, Jordan Gavan, Rick will be available to pray. Um, Just find someone and we will pray with you. Pray that you go safely as, as you leave here and you have a great week. And we'll see you next week. Love you guys.